And I think designers and engineers are under a lot of pressure to do all that design work for that future infrastructure. And so I think, I mean, we believe that one of the keys to unlocking these efficiencies is adopting a product platform approach. Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software Great Tech Group. You're invited to join our conversation to model the future of construction innovation and the digital transformation adventure of this great industry. My guest today is Charlotte Garrett, Head of Industry Strategy at COPE. She's a qualified architect with extensive experience in the off-site sector, having led on design, managed complex multidisciplinary teams, and advised on the delivery of numerous projects across the UK. Welcome to the show, Charlotte. Hey, great. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I like to kind of get started with how you got into the, the industry to begin with. Sure, yeah. I actually really, it was by accident. Um, I kind of left university having qualified as an architect. Um, I spent just 12 months as a, let's say, a traditional practicing architect. Um, unfortunately, got made redundant here in the UK. It wasn't a particularly good time. Um, and went out looking for work and just came across this volumetric house builder um, looking for an architect and a design manager. So I applied for the job and, you know, the rest is history. Um, yeah, real passion for off-site construction. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love the fellow happy accident people coming in. I'm one as well, too. Uh, <laughs> I did not think I, I would fall into the, the construction realm <laughs> when I when I graduated college. Uh, but here I am. I, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you see as some of the, the most exciting developments on the horizon when it comes to offsite and industrialized construction? Yeah, I think uh, there are probably two or three innovations, I think, that probably stand out for me. I think design automation is really taking off. I think more and more kind of design-led businesses like architects and engineers uh, are developing their own internal automated workflows, you know, using scripts and plugins to kind of help streamline some of their processes. Um, yeah, and I think we're seeing a lot more you know, product platforms and kits of parts and they're kind of offering that standardization in design to kind of enable scalability for offsite construction. Um, but yeah, also kind of allowing that flexibility that we, we seek as well for kind of unique projects. And I think these two things together are really going to be game changing. I think connecting kind of projects and products uh, through those kind of design automations. Um, I think data standards is, is another huge one. I think it's critical in providing a common language um, across our industry, uh, particularly integrating across different companies, different project teams. Um, and, you know, we hear about digital twin quite a lot. I think that's, um, and that's really data at, at its core and being able to make sure that that transfer of information, um, yeah, ensuring the, like, the right information is fed into the design workflow at the right time and it's carried through, you know, into operation and so clients have that right data. Yeah, so I think that just helps bring, you know, different parts of the construction value chain together. Um, and yeah, enabling design to focus on that constructability. And yeah, I think one last one, very briefly, probably cloud computing. I think that's really also going to be um, something that's really going to take off and 
really kind of shifting those data silos to like cloud-based environments where it really helps kind of integrate people and information around our project. So yeah, three. Yeah. I think those are the kind of spaces that are just going to keep growing. <laughs> yeah, I think um, we we have a lot of trouble with the, like recording and. Um, uh, management of data on our products is still pretty analog, I would say. Um, I think, yeah, you, you know, the one way we need to go with that is we need to, uh, I think that cloud, can, like that cloud-based environments are really going to help um, digitize that that information around products. Um, yeah, I think that's really going to help us. Yeah, nice. Uh, and then on the the common language, I believe that was your your, your second uh, point that that you mentioned there. Uh, how do we move forward more on on coming making that kind of the the standard? What I see a lot in the the industry is very disjointed communication and, and language that uh, people are are kind of talking about the the same thing, but they're using different acronyms, different words, and so there's a, a total misalignment and and kind of speaking over one another without even realizing it which causes a, a bunch of frustration how do you uh, any ideas on how to uh, kind of help create that that standardization across the different stakeholders so that we're all using the same acronym soup language and everything like that yeah it's not easy and i don't think it's something that's going to happen overnight either but we do need industry bodies you know government policy to help push that you know you know here in the uk we've got um, a number of british standards being developed to help bring that standardization across and get people's buy-in obviously we've got a number of industry people involved in that so we at cope we're we're involved in one of those standards so helping to try and standardize how we describe different off-site technologies what information we should show about those products um yeah, wouldn't it be great if we, you know, had all of our suppliers and all of our designers kind of speak in the same language? It would kind of make that connection with products and projects really seamless and really quick and easy. And it would make validation and all of those kind of processes much, much better. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it's uh, one of the biggest things that people need to be mindful about and, and just give a, a pause. If you hear uh you know a, a term and you're like wait that that doesn't make sense why are they doing that maybe stop and ask what do you mean by that yeah <laughs> that's okay to to ask that question uh what so the one of the big trends uh is really the the convergence coming in and kind of the, the blurring of the lines of industries between construction and and manufacturing well, what are you seeing there uh of what that convergence really looks like yeah i think Kind of starting, uh, trying to remember these numbers off the top of my head, but um, I think it's something like a hundred thirty trillion dollars of investment is expected to be spent um, in the upcoming years. And I think 
designers and engineers are under a lot of pressure to do all that design work for that future infrastructure. And so I think, I mean, we believe that one of the keys to unlocking these efficiencies is adopting a product platform approach. And I think that that's gaining, definitely gaining a lot more traction here in the UK. So instead of reinventing that design wheel for each project, it's aiming to reuse standardized kit of parts essentially in that design process and configuring them and assembling them in various ways to create those unique buildings, but trying to standardize maybe the spaces and the building elements a little bit more. And yeah, that really allows us to kind of uh, reuse them, learn from the projects, and we can really start to refine our, our processes, which obviously aligns really well to kind of lean manufacturing. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that the trends that we're seeing is it's not just about that kit of parts that we design with. Um, it's about enabling the translation to kit of products. So kind of going back to that digital twin buzzword, uh, mm -hmm. what we want to be careful about is not describing those static digital BIM objects that we, you know, the internet's full of them. We've, we've done a, it's commendable, you know, how much, how far we've come in the last 10 years. And a lot of people have bought into, into developing their BIM objects around their products. But we believe that, you know, to truly define a product that is manufactured and part of a kind of productized supply chain, we need a little bit more than that. Um, designers tend to download them, break them because it's not quite doing what they want it to do in their design process. So immediately, as soon as they're downloaded, the suppliers have lost control over how their product has entered the market. And so what we're, we're doing at Cope is we're essentially not, we're not storing geometry around products. We're actually storing and embedding a rule book that's codified. And that essentially dictates how a product can and cannot be configured when we're integrating it into our, our projects. Um, because, you know, buildings don't end up being built exactly how we model them. You know, we, we, elements sure. are always these monolithic elements. Let's take a wall, for example. Usually it has a depth, it has a length, it has a height, and we might have some key metrics or bits of data around it, like fire performance, acoustic, we need it to meet. Um, but what we, what we don't really think about and consider is how that really is going to look once it's built and. Um, we need to break down those elements into individual product components, and that might be wall panels, for example. And they need to be sized to um, to suit, you know, manufacturing processes. And so, yeah, to cope is is digitizing the logic of those products and reading those monolithic walls in our design file and kind of seamlessly configuring them and translating those into into products. Um, and yeah, so it's really about empowering both designers so that they can, you know, have the freedom of designing uh, and making, but also allowing them to make informed decisions around the, the impact that a product might have when we break it down. And so it allows, yeah, suppliers to control how their products are implemented into projects, but also it's just allowing designers to have the visibility of those capabilities and um, learning from them, understanding what design changes they might make to gain some efficiencies. So yeah, it's it's really about embedding logic and not just some geometry that we can push and pull. Mm. I like the the logic approach to it and kind of re reframing the conversation around that instead of the the geometry and kind of shifting your your mind uh 
a, a bit. I, I think that makes a, a ton of sense. What uh, aspects kind of playing off of that do you think maybe need to evolve in the construction industry as a, a whole for industrialized construction to really gain even more widespread adoption and, and shift really uh, more more fully to that that product approach instead of focused just on the, the project? Yeah, I think um, kind of one of the obstacles really, it's going back to that kind of analog format that we were kind of touched on a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, technology has kind of really revolutionized a number of sectors like finance and the automotive and construction's really kind of, we've made a really good start, but it's lagging behind. And I think the only way we're going to be able to meet the demand of our kind of essential infrastructure, um, like housing and hospitals, it is the digitalization of offsite manufacturing and that integration of products into projects and being able to automate that process and you know provide valuable data insights into into you know the solution um but that does require substantial investment and i think training as well i think we need to upskill our um you know um you know young architects and engineers and product suppliers all coming through um but it's also about the culture and getting the workforce ready to adopt digital technologies as well. Mm -hmm. uh, have you sensed a, a greater willingness to lean into technology over the last few years? Uh, I think I think the kind of younger generations coming through, yeah, absolutely. I think it's looking really positive. Um, it, it's that transition from our aging workforce into that kind of younger workforce coming through. It's about... Um, Kind of extracting that knowledge and passing that over and being able to speak that common language right because you're going to have a very kind of manual workforce trying to communicate with a very digital younger workforce and trying to translate mm. that language again it's going to become really key and i think mm. that that kind of aging workforce really needs to really needs to be involved in that kind of data standardization as well because we need to learn from everything they've done um yeah. So it's really, really key to pull in kind of all corners of our, of our industry uh, in order to build that data standardization. I think it's it's all in that. It's all in the data standardization. I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite concepts when we're talking about the different generations and, and learning from each other is uh, it's called reverse mentoring. And so it's taking somebody that has you know had decades and decades of experience and pairing them with somebody that's fresh in their career and they can teach each other different aspects of uh yeah the the younger person this is stereotyping here but the younger person can teach the the technology aspect and then the 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 veteran can teach hey this is why we do it this way and why it has worked and then they can figure out oh okay well that makes sense knowing the historical stuff but we could still find some improvement here and you know there's you, you create that relationship aspect that makes the collaboration a, a whole lot easier uh because they're they have that that friendship kind of already kind of built into it yeah absolutely the industry is struggling with a communication problem and a lack of interoperability this is causing 25 percent of data being recreated 
and almost $300 billion lost due to bad communication. Great Tech Group believes that is a problem. So they created Data Connect, an easy to use, no code platform that connects critical ERP systems with cost management to form a single source of truth to empower better communication, decision-making, and project efficiency, delivering the ultimate business outcome of being on time and on budget. Visit asti.com slash data connect to start saving time and money. Uh, are there other kind of barriers that, that you see uh, that maybe exist in the, the construction industry that, that need to be dismantled to help foster the collaboration and innovation? Uh, I think, yeah, the, the, the biggest one uh, is going to be data-based again. Uh, we need to address the hesitancy, I think, to share data because a lot of people mm. want to protect their IP. And I think that data standardization plays a pivotal role in that. I think while protecting people's IP is really important, obviously people have invested a lot of money in developing their products. Um, we need to determine what information is essential to you know foster that collaboration. And through structured and standardized data, I think we can pinpoint what knowledge is needed and clarify um, yeah, what information, what right information is shared at the right time in that kind of typical design matrix of decisions in that kind of end-to-end -end workflow um, without kind of compromising data integrity and, you know, intellectual property. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, data standardization really is a catalyst. It's about building an industry where ideas can flow freely within a kind of standardized framework. Um, yeah, I think it's like a matrix, really, of decision-making and uh, picking what bits of information you need at the right time. Yeah, any advice on how to get the the stakeholders to come in and work together to figure out what needs to go in the, the matrix and, and break down those barriers? Um, no, just keep trying. I think we just keep, keep <laughs> banging the drum, you know. I think um, yeah. it's taken us years to kind of adopt BIM like really fully as, as well as we are today. It's been decades, um, but we are getting there. People are listening. More and more people are kind of picking up standards. So I think, yeah, we just got to keep persistent, banging the drum. I think we've got, you know, there's this really, really good book. Uh, you might have read it. It's called, um, um, what's it called? Sorry. Uh, it, it's all about, do you know what? It might even be called Bridging the Gap, weirdly. So you must know it. Oh, um it's I, I need to read it yeah i think it's um early adopters no innovators really kind of push the the you know the new thinking and then you get some early adopters. is it the chasm uh -huh. crossing the chasm that's it crossing yeah, the chasm yeah, thank it. you that's it um yeah <laughs> that's a great book you're innovating it's a great book yeah your early adopters and then the majority will follow and i think um yeah we just gotta find those those real innovators and those early adopters i think is the first challenge and i do I do believe that the majority will then follow. And I think we've seen it with BIM whilst it was slow. Um, hopefully this, like now that we've got them through the kind of BIM process and got them on board with that, maybe this next phase, hopefully won't take so long. Yeah. Um, my four-year-old is banging at my door real quick. I'll be <laughs> no right <worry>. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
Sorry about that. This is the... No worries at all. <laughs> he wanted to give me a really big leaf that he found. Oh, that's so Which sweet. it is enormous. It's as <laughs> bigger than my face. Um, so let's kind of shift over on the, the technology side. Uh, how do people, how should they think about developing out their, their tech stack? There's so many different options there. How, yeah, how, how do you think about it? this is going to be useful to me in, in my journey and, and what I'm trying to accomplish? They really need to understand their processes first, I think. So Cope started out as a consultancy. So we worked with businesses quite a lot, trying to kind of help integrate the right technologies into their businesses and help, you know, improve their processes. Mm -hmm. You'd be amazed at how many times you speak to people and they don't really know what their process is internally. And we spend quite a lot of time helping define that actually with them, um, really kind of pulling out why they're, why they're making certain decisions at certain points in any process. And so it all starts with that. It starts with mm -hmm. knowing what you're doing or why you're doing it on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's when you can then start to align it better with your tech stack and understanding what the right tools are to support with the right processes. Yeah. I love that. M more than, more than agree. Yeah. It is, uh, I, I think it's, uh, it, it seems like it's something that would be very obvious and, and very well figured out in most companies, but it's surprisingly not in most companies. So if, if you're listening and you're like, oh, I don't know, you're not alone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I think it's, it's a all, common problem. It's all in everyone's heads and they're making, yeah, they're making a lot of these decisions kind of subconsciously uh and not really questioning why they're making these certain decisions and it's yeah about extracting that out of people and yeah the the problem with it being in everybody's head is that what's in my head is going to be different than what's Absolutely. in your head yeah and so if we're at the same company that's going to cause a, a conflict in, in yeah the long run because we're going to be driving to different points so having that well thought out and agreed upon for everybody yeah in the company and written down is you need that north star guiding light yeah uh so we got to meet a few weeks ago at autodesk university and uh any kind of takeaways from au a few weeks out and kind of uh, maybe on the technology side or just kind of in general across au yeah i thought hey, it was my first au i thought uh huh? it's a great conference i really enjoyed myself and i thought it was really interesting to see uh, how all of these te technologies uh, are kind of integrating with all these other kind of software tools and uh, really kind of solving a lot of problems that we're seeing that's really kind of, it's, it's great to see. It's great to see that people are really kind of stepping up and seeking to solve some of these challenges for people. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the, the cool trends is really the kind of going back to the, the convergence really of, of construction and manufacturing is the kind of the integration between Revit and Inventor in the design and construction process. What do you see as the, the value there on that side of things? It's hugely valuable. I think um, having spent some time working for uh, 
volumetric manufacturers, it's really difficult because tools like Revit are designed to be very flexible in kind of studying and playing around with various different kind of um, design solutions. And it's really designed around a, a building level, you know, talking about mm. you know, multiple stories and um, interlinking various different kind of disciplines. Whereas Inventor is something that is highly detailed and it's maybe more focused on productized um, objects, like really mm. getting into the kind of detail. And it would be very difficult to design a whole building say an inventor so it's about bridging that gap um between that kind of um like kind of low lower level of detail in your kind of revit environment into that real high fidelity modeling for a kind of fabrication level of detail and it's about breaking the revit model up into some components and products and mm -hmm inventor then taking those and kind of detailing them as as their kind of constituent parts and funny you should mention it this is where we really see cope sitting so copes that kind of that bridge between the two um helping kind of break down those monolithic elements into sizable products and pushing that kind of getting that into an inventor yeah very cool uh, where do you see ai kind of playing in in this space as well too that was a huge part coming out of au for sure um and just in general ai is everywhere you look right now uh how does it play into the the future of construction yeah uh i'm no ai expert uh we have many more intelligent people in our business you could probably delve into this a little bit deeper but i i don't think ai is going to replace us i think it's going to be more of a collaborator i think the industry has been a bit cautious about embracing AI, uh, the, the construction industry, I mean. Um, there are kind of innovative companies already using it and streamlining some processes, but um, I'm going to go back to the data sets. I think that's where the success of AI really lies. And um, that's really essential for kind of offering that accurate guidance that I think AI can offer. Um, but, you know, building these data sets is the challenge that I've mentioned before. And that's kind of due to like the variability across projects and teams and sites. And um, yeah, and I think it's not just about automation either. I think it's about, you know, transforming that decision-making with those kind of data insights that AI could offer. So it's, yeah, pushing in the right data and getting the, to get that valuable data back out and, and offer that collaborative yeah. work. Yeah. All comes back to data. It really does. Yeah, I think that's the correct. It's huge. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So as we start to uh, land the, the plane here, what is modeling the future? What does that mean and, and really look like to you? Um, yeah, so it's, you know, innovation. Um, I know that word's kind of thrown around quite a lot, but it's, you know, crucial to continuing the progress of our industry we've made great movements um yeah and i think it is it is all coming down to converging the industrialized construction approach or sorry mm -hmm. processes with digital technology we really need to 
we've got a lot to build. We need to automate all those kind of tedious processes um, and put our brains to work in, in the more kind of valuable spaces. Yeah. So funny that you used innovation as uh, kind of the, the main defining thing there. Cause my next question was going to be, what does innovation mean to you? So uh, any nuance to what you just laid out there for just the focus on innovation? Uh, yeah, I think innovation is um, reflecting on previous work and um, defining you know, maybe changes or improvements to kind of processes or techniques and methods uh, in order to guess gain more value out of something. So it's it's all about progression, I'd mm. say. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Well, how do people find out more information about you or, or cope and, and connect with you? Sure. Yeah. Uh, find me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to respond to any questions or um, maybe have a conversation with anyone uh, and also find cope we can uh, we've got a website cope.ai so please visit us there um, take a look at what we're doing um, we've got some demo environments that um, we'd really like people to kind of engage with understand our product a little bit more so yeah please reach out uh, on the website or by linkedin awesome sounds good well last question for you if i could give you all power you can snap your fingers and you could innovate one thing in construction, what would you pick to innovate? That's that data framework for offsite construction. It all comes back to data. Have it solved. I like Man. it. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Very cool. Well, Charlotte, thanks so much for taking the time and, and coming on the show. You're so welcome. Thank you so much. And now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. First take, at the heart of it all, it's all about the data. Data standardization is a critical element because as we emphasized, proper data control underpins every aspect of what we do. Second take, before building your tech stack, it's crucial to gain a deep understanding of your processes. Know what you do and why you do it. This foundational knowledge will guide your technology decisions effectively. And final take, Prioritize the development of a shared language within your project and across the industry. Clear communication and a shared understanding help eliminate miscommunication and unfounded assumptions, which are often significant obstacles to progress. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software Great Tech Group at ASDI.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining the conversation to model the future on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is hosted, directed, and produced by Todd Wyant, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an applied software, great tech group production, Copyright Applied Software, Great Tech Group, 2023.